Hey folks, my name is Jason Spies and I travel across these great states talking to small business owners, CEOs, policymakers, musicians and mentors about making money, giving back and balancing life. I find out how they prioritize professional and personal time while still making money. Yes indeed, our guests are real heavyweights in understanding business and life. So get ready to relax, learn a little bit, and get a cup of coffee ready because my name is Jason Spies and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio. Sitting on a million, sitting on it every day. Can't make no money giving your stuff away. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Welcome to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies and I'm your host today. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation. Coffee and Capitalism brings you exclusive interviews and distinct content from leaders who drive our economy. From CEOs to small business owners to mentors, Coffee and Capitalism is a leader in innovation, ideas, and inspiration. Coffee and Capitalism is about making money and giving back, learning the fine art of balancing work and family life and prioritizing your time. I'd like to thank you once again for coming to Coffee and Capitalism Radio. We know there's a lot of places for you to get your content today. Just the other day when I was out driving my car, I stopped at a gas station to gas up, and they have televisions now at the gas station pump, and I saw Steve Harvey giving me news. I tell you, you can get your news and information from almost anywhere today, so we'd like to thank you very much for tuning into this radio station and listening to this podcast for Coffee and Capitalism Radio, a place where you can learn how to live life and make money. Now, let me tell you about today's episode here on Coffee and Capitalism Radio. we got a fantastic program for you. Bill Wren with the University of Texas at Austin talks about a very interesting industry known as the reduction of light industry. And what he's talking about is how at the McDonald Observatory in Austin, Uh, and the collaboration with the Permian Basin Petroleum Association and the Texas Oil and Gas Association. They're looking at reducing light shining into the sky from drilling rigs and other related activities in West Texas. An uh, interesting interview a little bit later on, uh, coming up in just a moment or two with Bill Wren with the University of Texas at Austin. Then we talk uh, talk a little more about Texas, Thur Cannon, Texas Pipeline Association. So much of today's world is powered by oil and gas. In fact, the only industry to add jobs in the last decade to have a net gain of jobs is the mining industry, the oil and gas industry. So when we talk about some of the pipelines happening, boy, that is responsible for so much of the nation's economy that we're going to spend a little bit of time talking with Thur Cannon with the Texas Pipeline Association about some of the issues they have down there, about some of the steel tariffs, economic activity, and what's happening locally as well in terms of tax impacts. Uh, Thur Cannon, Texas Pipeline Association, a little later on in the program. And then we've got a great uh, entrepreneur story, young entrepreneur from Wilmer, Minnesota. Michael Jesuits, CEO of Hawker Well Works, heard the siren song of the Bakken oil field. So they drove hours and hours to go out there. They uh, makeshift a little bit of a, a product, 
got somebody to uh, buy into it, and then they were able to turn that into a viable business. A group of young entrepreneurs, great story. Michael Jeseritz, the CEO of Hawker Wellworks, and just a little bit later on in the program. All right, we've got a fantastic program for you. Coffee and Capitalism Radio right here. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Welcome back to Copy and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Bill Wren with the University of Texas at Austin. Okay, the name is Bill Wren. You said job title? Um, or, or, yeah, or, uh, you know, where, where, where you're calling, or your organization, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, Bill Wren, uh, special assistant to the superintendent, uh, University of Texas at Austin McDonald Observatory. Thank you for joining us today on the Crude Life Media Network. And we've got a kind of a neat story, in my opinion. I like these stories that kind of uh, think outside the box when it comes to oil and gas and some solutions to problems and identifying some different things. And I came across a story, I think it was on space.com or something like that. And it was had to do with um, the uh, University of Texas Austin's McDonald Observatory collaborating with uh, the Permian Basin Petroleum Association and the Texas Oil and Gas Association to reduce light shining from the uh, sky from the drilling rigs and the flaring and etc. So uh, talk to me a little bit just about that collaboration, how it came about and what you guys are doing. Well, okay, you'd have to uh, know a little bit about the geography here uh, in terms of where the observatory is located. Um, we're in the heart of the Davis Mountains in far west Texas, about uh, three hours east of El Paso, uh, three hours from the Big Bend National Park, three hours from Midland, Odessa, which is at the heart of the Permian Basin. Um, so we're in the middle of nowhere, but um, the, the Permian extends down to the mountains um, and maybe even under the mountains. There are some wildcatters that are drilling uh, in the mountains proper, going through a few thousand feet of igneous rock to try and get to sedimentary layers. Uh, uh, We haven't seen much production close by yet, but we're kind of on the southwestern edge of the Permian where where, uh, most of the activity, um, exploration production activity, has been going on. Well, it really it picked up big time, I guess, around 2008 or so with the advances in uh, horizontal drilling and, and uh, hydraulic fracturing. Um, and around 2010 or so, we began to see that the mountains just to our north 
uh, were beginning to uh, be silhouetted against the glow in the sky down low on the horizon. And um, we immediately uh, reached out to the oil and gas industry um, to see if we could help them keep their lights on the ground and out of the sky. Um, it was uh, for well, the first year or two, it was primarily um, we didn't have anybody really connected with the industry. To listen to the full-length interview with Bill Wren with the University of Texas at Austin or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. All those social media links are available at thecrudelife.com. Go ahead and like, follow, subscribe, do all that fun social media stuff. Be a part of our ever-growing army of 350,000 social media followers. That's thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Peace, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Speece, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Speece. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. Jason Speece is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Speece on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Thur Cannon with the Texas Pipeline Association. This is Turi Cannon. I'm with the Texas Pipeline Association. Appreciate you joining us here today to talk about several things involved with oil and gas on the Crude Life Media Network. Um, before we get into some of the nuts and bolts of things, uh, let's talk about your organization a little bit, the uh, Texas Pipeline Association, You know what you guys are doing for the industry, how your involvement is, that sort of thing. Certainly, Jason. Um, the Texas Pipeline Association is a statewide trade association made up of over 40 members. We were founded in 1983. And the main focus of our of the mission of the Texas Pipeline Association is advocacy work in front of regulatory bodies such as our oil and gas regulatory body, which is the Railroad Commission of Texas, the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, and we also advocate for legislative issues and with the legislature and with the governor's office and other state agencies. So, um, what, what what's the number one? issue right now as far as uh, advocacy and, and letting people know about, you know, from from an industry standpoint, uh, what you guys are kind of fighting the battle at? Well, there's always a myriad of, in, of issues going on around oil and gas in Texas. Of course, we are the one of the largest in the, in the country and in North America and in the world on, on producing oil and gas. Of course, you know, the Permian is one of, is overtaking is one of the biggest 
in the world and they they keep drilling there and we are building and supplying the infrastructure to get it from the Permian Basin to market. A lot of the issues that we deal with relate to pipeline safety. Um, an issue we can probably talk about later is eminent domain comes up when you talk about pipelines, but we have a very good story to tell about that because the pipeline industry um, does not hardly ever use the eminent, hardly ever uses eminent domain. We did a sample a couple of, of just last year. Uh, we took a sampling of 15,000 miles of pipeline. And out of those 15,000 miles of pipeline, we dealt with over 35,000 tracts of land and condemnation rates were less than 4%. And then less than 1% of that ever went to a courtroom. So that shows you that the pipeline industry has a 96% successful negotiation rate with our landowners. And so that's a proud story that, that's a story that we're very proud of and that we are, we take and advocate to legislators and policymakers on that. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What What's some of the methods, some of the, um, um, I guess, strategies that, that are being done? That's some incredible numbers. I mean, I've done a lot of eminent domain stories in the past five, six years, and um, that's that's up there with some of the best in the nation, I'd say. Without a doubt, because we, we I mean, the truth of the matter is we want to be neighbors and friends with the landowners because we're going to be their friends and neighbors for a very long time. And so... We want to treat people with integrity, with transparency, and Texas has a very reliable and fair process in statute right now that was done probably around uh, seven or eight years ago, and it has worked well for both landowners and for the economy of the state of Texas. Hmm. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about this current state of pipelines, if you wouldn't mind. Um, We can talk some more about some some of those issues in just a second, but I just, uh, with Everything that's going on with the uh, pipelines being maxed out down in the Permian and a few things, and you've got the uh, big pipeline that's being kind of built from the Permian down to I think Corpus Christi it is. Uh, let's just kind of a, a state of the state of Texas pipelines, if you will, from your perspective as the um, you know the Texas Pipeline Association. Where, where, where are you seeing the um, projects, and where do you see it going? Sure. It's an exciting time, as you well know, in the oil and gas industry. Um, the Permian is is blowing and going, and we are very fortunate that we are blessed with that that asset in this great state because it adds so much to our economy. But um, a statistic I heard is I think the pr- production is about 4 million barrels a day, and I think there's anywhere from 3.1 to 3.5 barrels, of, I mean, uh, barrels worth of capacity going from the Permian to the Gulf Coast. So you can see there's a little bit of lag, but we're excited. I think that the midstream and pipeline industry is addressing that. But we're excited about addressing that issue. And, and there are numerous projects that you've probably seen in numerous trade associations, too, that I'm very aware of that are going from the Permian to the Gulf Coast. And there's a couple of gas lines that are going down to South Texas and then to the Gulf Coast. So the pipeline, the pipeline business is doing really good, good right now. Are you hearing much on the price of steel with the tariffs and um, pipeline costs? We've we've talked a little bit about it with a couple people. I think Lauren Scott and I believe Joe Dancy and I have talked about uh, the potential behind that, whether it would impact it or not. Um, of course, steel tariffs. You think of anything that involves steel, from you know certain types of nails to uh, uh, pipeline materials. Are you hearing anything with uh, your ear to the rail or pipeline, if you will? Yes, we are, Jason. I mean, it, 
we we are concerned about the steel tariff and this association joined with us with numerous other trade associations to write a letter to President Trump asking to look at all of the, the possibilities that could happen with a steel tariff of course just like just like any kind of policy that goes into effect it's kind of like the balloon if you squeeze the balloon at one end it's going to blow up at the other and vice versa with a steel tariff it kind of changes the rules in the middle of the game and so it's going to definitely add cost to projects cost to to getting the steel and at the same time a lot of the pipeline quality steel that that are used in pipeline construction can't be found or can't be produced fast enough in the in the United States to take care of the capacity problems that that are that are becoming evident in the Permian and getting getting the hydrocarbons to market. Do you guys uh, oversee much of the natural gas side of things? I um I didn't include it in kind of the um, topics we were going to talk about, but I thought I, as long as I have you on, I, do, do you guys do much of the natural gas? Is there kind of an update from that side of things? Absolutely. Uh, originally, this association primarily dealt with natural gas. And oh. then, of course, it started in 1983, so that was new, many years ago. But at that time, uh, the association was the Interstate Natural Gas Pipeline Association. And then as the market has evolved and liquids have become more profitable and, and crude, of course, has become more plentiful, we, we encompass both natural gas utilities and liquid pipelines. So how can people, if they want to become members or join your guys' advocacy, that type of thing, um, how, how can they go about doing that? Right. Our membership is over 40 member companies, and you have to operate at least 250 miles of pipeline within the state of Texas. And that it's got to be within the state of Texas because this is the only state, state trade association in the country that deals solely with the interest of intrastate pipelines as opposed to um, federal regulated interstate pipelines. You guys are the only ones that do that? To my knowledge, I think we are the only ones that deal specifically with intrastate. Oh, no of kidding. Course, we, we bleed into interstate a lot, but people often ask me why Texas has their has their own pipeline association. I said, well, one, because we're Texas and we probably deserve it. But two, we just have a lot of pipeline, and we have a lot of pipeline miles in the state of Texas. The Railroad Commission has total pipeline miles in Texas at over 448,000 miles, and just intrastate lines, that's lines running within the borders of the state of Texas, we have over 396,000 miles of pipeline. No kidding, huh? Yes, wow. sir. Hey, um, do you guys, have you been following much of uh, some of the innovation behind that? Does that made it to, to your desk as far as whether it be a smart pigs or some of the other sensor type things that they're adding to pipelines every single day, it seems like? Sure. I, the, the innovation changes daily, and it just gets better and better and better. Of course, if you talk to any of my member companies and you talk to me and this association, there's no higher priority that we have in the pipeline industry than safety. And so our, our member companies spend millions of dollars themselves on improving technologies to find, to find uh, potential risks, to find uh, potential flaws that could happen. We're constantly doing that, and we're constantly meeting with first, respons first responders around the state to educate those, those individuals on what, what to do if an incident does occur. But um, I need to brag on our safety record a little bit because uh, one of my sister trade associations, the Association of Oil Pipelines in Washington, D.C., they just released a study, and they said that the barrels of crude 
that were delivered by pipeline in the U.S. rose 43 percent in uh, from 2012 to 2016, and it said the incidents impacting the public or environment has declined 19 percent during that exact same time. So you can that that statistic right there is very powerful and shows that the industry is constantly looking for better ways to to implement pipeline safety measures. And to brag on this association a little bit. Um, I can't remember when, I think it was probably in the 90s, this association took the lead to spur a integrity management program for pipelines, and that was the first time it had ever been done throughout the country. Mr. Thur Cannon, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause here on Coffee and Capitalism Radio. We'll continue the interview with Thur Cannon with the Texas Pipeline Association in just a moment. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. I'm walking, I'm talking, I'm smoking, I'm joking with the people that I know. And I'm thinking, I'm drinking, I'm Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. <laughs> this is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? Nothing. You need a raise. Welcome back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, we continue our conversation with Thur Cannon with the Texas Pipeline Association. And the feds thought that that was such a good idea that FEMSA adopted that and now and now implemented an integrity management pipeline program for the entire country. So we were ahead of the curve on that. Look at that. Yeah, that's usually how it starts, right? Grassroots, and then it works its way, way up to the top till it gets recognized, usually. Exactly. Well, uh, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jason, very much. I've got some more statistics on some economic impacts of pipelines in the state, if you want some of that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. If, if you've got them, let's talk about that. Yeah, I mean, um, so let's, let, let's hear. What, what are those stats? About three years ago, um, this association, we, we commissioned Texas Tech to do a study on the economic impact of solely the midstream industry. You see these numbers every once in a while of, of what the economic impact of the oil and gas industry as a whole whole is for the country and for the state, and those numbers are gargantuan. And it's a, but what I wanted to do is pick out upstream and pick out downstream and so focus solely on midstream and find out what exactly the economic impact was. And the numbers were, were just staggering. Texas Tech came back and said in one year alone, the 
Texas pipeline industry contributed $33 billion, with a B, in economic output, and it sustained more than 165,000 jobs, and it contributed $18.7 billion in gross state product, and in local government taxes in one year, it contributed $1.6 billion. And that's just the midstream. That's not your producers. That's not your chemical plants. That's solely the pipeline midstream industry. So I thought that, and that was a conservative estimate that they used, and I just thought that that was a fascinating um, snapshot of the economic impact of pipelines. You know, isn't that incredible? I mean, I, w- I was at a conference a few years ago, and um, Stephen Moore, he's an economist for uh, Hart- Heartland Group, maybe? Uh, boy, Heritage Foundation? Heritage Foundation. He's a Fox News contributor as well, but um, he had a study up that showed that over the last decade, the only industry that added jobs was the mining sector, which is oil and gas, um, where right. that, that falls under. But all of these startups and all this technology talk and all these other things in the last decade have not added jobs, a net gain of jobs, except for the mining industry, which is oil and gas. And another, <clears throat> excuse me, another study that I found uh, interesting is up in uh, Belfield, North Dakota, they're building the uh, first greenfield refinery in the last 50 years um, from full-on refinery up there. And was it the Anacortes study out of the state of Washington? Um, and this is the Davis refinery up in Belfield is where this study came about through Anacortes in Washington, their refinery. For every job, it's is it 12 or 24 jobs. Uh, jobs that get produced because of one job out of a refinery so for every hundred yeah for every hundred um jobs at a refinery it actually equals two thousand people in in your local community i mean it is absolutely amazing the economic ripple and stability that the energy industry really brings to communities um doesn't don't you think i mean that's what that's what you're trying to say with these economic studies so i'm just trying to validate what you're saying i guess no, you're exactly right, and, I, and my apologies for not knowing much about the North Dakota economy, but I know that, and you probably remember when the recession was, was around us a couple of years ago, that the oil and gas industry in Texas definitely kept Texas on the forefront without, uh, without going into the deep recession. So you know, we fared better than much of the country, and I, I don't know about North Dakota, but I would imagine the same thing held true up there as well. Well, I, and that same study with Stephen Moore, when he talked about the mining industry being the only industry that's gained jobs over the last decade, um, they said that, what was it, North Dakota was holding its own, and Texas, is the economy was basically carrying the rest of the nation. <laughs> It was incredible because they were. It was everybody else was 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 in a downturn so bad, but the oil and gas sectors were still pumping oil out. They were still at least you know they had a heartbeat going for the rest of the the place, and so um, Texas was just huge uh, carrying the rest of the country. And of course, they're you know they're the number one driller of oil and gas and and producer and that sort of thing. And so you, when you really look at it, it does make a lot of sense. Um, at least from a bigger picture. In my mind, it does, because I follow this stuff on a regular basis. So um, what was the numbers on those uh, midstream uh, billions and millions again? Sure. You can find that on our website at texaspipelines.com. The study is published on that. Uh, but but the economic output for one year, the, the snapshot that they gave, was $33 billion in economic output. 
and then it sustained 165,000 jobs, and then and added 1.6 billion to state and local government taxes. What was that? One point what? 1.6 billion in state and local taxes. Wow. And the neat thing is they 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 did a study that they prolonged the study and made an estimate that through 2024 that the, just the midstream industry again, Jason, not the not production because that's going to be more billions and the chemical manufacturers, that'll be more billions, but just the midstream industry through 2024 will probably average uh, $374 billion in total economic output and then it'll stay uh, sustain on average about 171,000 jobs. And again, it'll add 1.5 to 2 billion per year in state and local taxes. You know, it's going to be incredible too once um, those chemical plants are built down in Lake Charles and in, down in Corpus Christi when they get some of that stuff together. And then that pipeline that goes from the Permian, uh, I think it's the Exxon pipeline that goes from the Permian right to the, the Gulf there. When a lot of these projects get done and, and, you know, call it 10 years from now. It's going to be amazing. Those what what these numbers, the potential that these numbers could even do then. It really is, and it keeps energy affordable and reliable. Yeah, that's amen to that, huh? Is that the truth? I I laugh. You know, we really look at like natural gas. You know, three bucks. Go over to Great Britain, man. You're paying eighteen dollars. You know, exactly. China. China. It's about eight, eight and a half. But I mean, it's amazing when you start looking at it like that. Just how cheap our energy is and, and everything like that. So it's, um, yeah, I think it's fantastic, but well, I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I um, anything else that we, we need to cover on there, anything uh, you want to reiterate or, uh, we forgot to mention or anything like that? No, if you, you just mentioning the, the price of gas overseas, I mean, that's, that's, that's an emerging market and a, a, a market that's gaining steam here in Texas is the export of LNG, which is contributing to the addition, the building of additional pipelines. You know, that's, that's a fun story to follow. I've been following it for a while. Um, Lee Tillman, he's the president of Marathon Oil, uh, interviewed him a few years ago on that. And uh, he was able to really uh, boil it down to let me understand it, where he just says, very, it's not economical yet to, to ship a hydrocarbon across the, or a molecule across the sea yet, you know. And he basically brought it down to the price. He said, but in the next three to five years, you'll start to see more shipments happen and here we are you know two three years later and here you are telling me it's already starting to happen so it's fun to see this stuff come to fruition it, it truly is so that's that's a, another good news for um lng producers out there fantastic so well this is the good good times we'll have to have you on uh on the program again with some updates especially if um you've got some advocacy you know we don't we're, we're not a political program and we don't do uh politics but we talk policy and we certainly uh, give people a platform so they let the energy industry know what to, what to look out for and how to separate the wheat from the chaff if you will absolutely jason feel free to call anytime because that's what the association's here for awesome well thank you for your time today appreciate it you have a good one thank you sir bye-bye to listen to the full-length interview with Thur Cannon with the Texas Pipeline Association or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. 
And we ask you folks to follow the Food Life Media Network. Follow us, like us, share us, subscribe. We have all of our social media links available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab and be one of our 350,000 followers. You can see all of our social media pages right there at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab. My name is Jason Spies, and this is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Music on today's program is written and performed by the Moody River Band. For more information on the Moody River Band, their links, and their music, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com and click on the Musicians tab. This is the Moody River Band. You feel a little dizzy. You're talking kind of silly like you have plans to save the world. The inside is warm You've been wishing you never been born All I can say is that you try to behave And try not to get your mind blown Mind blown, your mind blown I'll show you something that's never Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota Is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise. Back to Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard in the Crude Life Media Network. My name is Jason Spies, and I'm your host today. Up next, Michael Jesuits with Hawker Wellworks. My name is Michael Jesuits, uh, CEO of Hawker Wellworks. Hawker Wellworks, just like the bird with an ER, and then of course Wellworks. Uh, describe to me a little bit about your company, Hawker Wellworks, and how you guys are involved with the oil and gas industry. Well, we make a uh, hydraulic laydown machine that uh, assists in the well servicing side. So um, it's uh, basically assists to, uh, you know, once they drill a well and they bring in the, the work over rig, um, our machine will, will back to the uh, well servicing rig and assist in listing the, the tubulars or if they're going to service a well and they need to, to uh, remove the tubulars, it will assist in removing them and, and putting them back on the pipe rack so they can service that well. How did you guys get into that uh, particular, I guess, niche part of the industry? Well, we uh, 
bunch of entrepreneurs from uh, Minnesota, and we we heard rumors of this uh, the oil uh, explosion that was about to happen out in North Dakota um, about six and a half years ago, roughly six and a half seven years ago, and we just started taking trips out there to see how, how we could get involved, and we kind of formed a group and. Uh, you know, just started talking to a lot of the companies that were out there, and and we had we had guys within our group that that had all different areas of expertise, and one of them had a fabrication background, and and I came from the sales and marketing background, and uh, then we just had some of your your uh, just your basic entrepreneurs that you know money investors and things like that, and we looked on how we could get involved, and we actually. You know, at that time, there was a big need for, for man camps and things like that, so we kind of dabbled in that, you know, right away, but we all, we're always looking for a piece of equipment that we could that we could build to, uh, to uh, you know, market and, and distribute, and uh, we started talking to uh, some companies, and, and uh, you know, we, we basically, we built our first lay-down machine, and, and then we brought it out to a company out there, and we just gave it to them and said, you know, hey, will you use this and tell us what you like and tell us what you don't like. And they used it on a couple of jobs and, and brought it back to us and said, hey, you need to, you know, we like it, but you need to make all these changes. So we took about, it was probably about six, seven months of R&D after that and, and just made all the changes that they recommended and, and things that we can improve on the, on the machine and just really took their recommendations, you know, and, and took it to the next level. And uh, we brought it back out to them and, after we made those changes and they really liked it and, and they bought it and he bought another one. And then, uh, he had, uh, he had a brother-in-law that owned a, uh, a fishing and rental company and, and they bought four of them. And that's, that's, it just uh, spun from there. Boy, that's quite a story. You know, I'm looking at your guys' website, hawkerwellworks.com talking with Michael yep. Jesuits with, uh, Hawker Wellworks. He's a CEO. And, you know, I'm looking at some of your products you guys have, and, you know, the one, I, I can take a look at it and see how it would be applicable to the oil and gas industry. It's, like, pretty easy to see. But I'll tell you what, I'm looking at this other one, and this just, just looks like a flatbed. I mean, it doesn't look like there's much more to it. So explain to me how you guys are setting, setting yourself apart a little bit, because obviously you are. Yeah, we, uh, you know, obviously it is a, it's a gooseneck trailer. Um, the, the, the trailer itself, we, we fabricate it from the, from the ground up. So, I mean, we, we're basically, obviously we buy the axles, but we fabricate the entire trailer and we build the, you know, we really take pride in our construction and, and the quality of the trailer. So, you know, we're, we build it, uh, you know, oil field tough, you know, we're, we're building our units out of four by four square tubing and, and making it, you know, as bulletproof as possible. To listen to the full-length interview with Michael Jesuits with Hawker Wellworks or to listen to other Coffee and Capitalism features, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coffee and Capitalism Radio is part of the Crude Life Media Network. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, all of our social media links, which you can subscribe and follow and like and do all the social media things available at thecrudelife.com. We've got multiple pages there. Check them out and follow them. Be part of our 350,000 followers here at the Crude Life Media Network and our social media pages. My name is Jason Spies. This is Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. Lord, each note, every measure. Together we will make a rich living. Praising and composing new lyrical treasures. Because
Giving your stuff away, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market, you can make a million too. Minnie's a crooked woman, diamonds on every hand. Tricking mother for you, everywhere she lands, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do Put your stuff on the market or You can make a million too Jump over the candlestick. Why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. And that concludes this week's episode of Coffee and Capitalism Radio, heard on the Crude Life Media Network. For a full list of today's guest and interview, visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. We'll be back next week on this radio station at this time. For a full list of our radio affiliates and other media partners, please visit our website, thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. My name is Jason Spies, and from the staff here at Coffee and Capitalism Radio, we're asking you to be happy, make money, and give back. Thanks for joining us this week, folks. Sign on on front porch saying, hot stuff will say, why don't you do now? Like the millionaires do. Put your stuff on the market. You can make a million too. Meridian Energy Group of Belfield, North Dakota, is building the most technologically advanced oil refinery on the planet, the Davis Refinery, a project designed to achieve emission control levels the industry has never seen before. The Davis Refinery, working for North Dakota. MeridianEnergyGroupInc.com. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Jason, what's your thought on this? My dad always listens to Jason Spies. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Jason Spies is the most trusted voice in the Bakken. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. You know, I don't know what justifies being placed in history books, Jason, but in my book, it's in there. (laughs) This is a good thing. Is your boss watching this? You need a raise.